What's up, Gumbo listeners? Demetrius Malbro here with yet another Data Protection Gumbo episode. And this one is titled, Leading the Charge of Modern Data Protection. And to drop some valuable nuggets for us today, we have Stephen Manley on. And Stephen has a passion for data management in the cloud and believes in no more boxes, all new challenges. And ironically, he only believes 50% of what he says, according to his Twitter page. So Gumbo listeners, Stephen will be delivering his three-step program on how to combat ransomware, the merging of applications, cloud and regulations, and, and so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsors. Gumbo listeners, this episode is brought to you in part by OS Nexus is an industry leader in software-defined storage, helping you maximize storage platforms like Ceph and OpenZFS. Choose the easy way to manage your storage and reduce costs with less effort. Go to osnexus.com slash try now and mention Data Protection Gumbo to get an expanded community edition license now. What's going on, Stephen? How are you? I'm doing great today. And uh, yeah, let's hope I keep it to 50%. Sometimes it dips a little lower. So, <laughs> All right. So let, let's see if we can get that number a little higher so you can, so you can be truthful here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let, let's start off on a, a, a lighter note before we jump into some of the technical questions. So how does that sound? That sounds great. All right. So what's changed in, in your personal life? Obviously, something you feel comfortable sharing with the Gumbo listeners since since COVID-19 hit and what's a good habit that you've undertaken as a result? Yeah, so one one big thing that's changed in the personal life is I think like everybody I'm I'm home all the time and so I think one of the one of the healthy things has been you know I I used to you know go to work, come home, uh, maybe spend a little bit of time with the kids. And then you know, because, because Drew is an international company, I would then be on calls late into the night. And so one of the nice things I've been able to do now is I actually cut off working around three o'clock in the afternoon, knowing that I've got nighttime calls. So I, okay. I can actually spend more time with the, the family uh, as opposed to sort of trying to squeeze everything into one hour. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's always good. I am sure the, the family appreciates that. So sometimes keep, they do. I got to be honest. Sometimes my, my daughter will say, you know, I kind of missed it when you were at work all day. And unless you're in charge of, of cooking dinner for the family too. So uh, yeah, that, 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 that responsibility I do have my, my wife and I'll get in trouble for saying this, but this is one of the 50% that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, once tried to make a frozen Turkey for Thanksgiving. She did not thaw it. And so that was a year that we wow. ordered the, we ordered Chinese food once I found out that she had not thawed the turkey. So, All right. I'll make sure I have frozen turkey in the episode title name here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so on to some of the questions here. So a, a few weeks ago, uh, Druva announced the close of its most successful year to date for your SaaS-based data protection solutions. Uh, and I think it was, what, a 70% year-over-year increase in recurring revenue? That's it. Correct. And I'm also assuming that it, it may be due to the work from home movement and the increase in ransomware threats. But now the microscope is is on cost containment and data governance. So 
What are you seeing in the market right now that customers are lining up for and asking for help on? You know, there's probably two, maybe three really big trends that we see. Uh, the first is absolutely ransomware. I think especially with all the work from home and, and, and sort of the, I think, increased exposures to threats that they they you know, weren't prepared for back when everything was in everyone was in work and, and things were a little bit more controlled. So there's a lot of a lot of companies saying, look, we need a ransomware solution. We need something that you know takes the data offsite and, and is and, and, and is protected so that you know, we can't be hit. I think the second one that's really big is a real increase in the number of people looking to back up uh, what you know, Microsoft 365, Salesforce, some of the SaaS applications. Partially because, again, with COVID, people are trying to adapt more, uh, adopt more SaaS. But part of it's also that both of those organizations, Microsoft and Salesforce, have started to recommend you know, more aggressively to people that they should have some sort of third-party backup. And then the third one uh, is is people are they want to reopen they they want to they they, they want to ride this this wave of growth that they think is going to come at some point, and so they're looking for strategies that let them not do a whole lot of capital investment ahead of time, uh, but rather get them so that they can invest uh, and then pull back and, and sort of try to be able to time the market without such a big penalty. So those are kind of the three reasons we see people coming to us saying, how do we get more flexible? How do we protect from ransomware? And how do we protect our SaaS environments? Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll dive into ransomware a little bit deeper, uh, but I think those are pretty, pretty solid uh, responses there. So uh, also, you know, I've been in in back for almost twenty years, and uh, I'm not quite sure how long you've been in, but I'm sure you've you're probably closer. Uh, twenty five, yeah. Oh, okay. You you had me beat then. All right, <laughs> just by a little, but uh, you you, yeah. you did better. We we are showing our true age here. So, uh, Gumbo listeners, if you are um, younger, you know, just just ignore us. Uh, but we do know what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> So I, I've definitely seen how the cloud has changed the way applications are managed and obviously how data is managed. So what is the biggest change that you've seen when it comes to protecting data? And let's say within the last 10 years. Yeah, that's a that's a good question because, you know, we sort of went to... You know, when I first started in this industry, snapshots were huge. Mm -hmm. and, and it's amazing we continue to have the snapshots versus backup discussion 20 plus years later. Uh, then I think you know, deduplication and, and right. everything that data domain brought to the table was huge. Um, I think in the last 10 years, I, I think there's mm -hmm. probably two things that I've seen that have, have, have torqued the industry. I think the first is cloud. And I think everyone's still trying to figure out what's the right way to use cloud, what's the right way to integrate with cloud. But but that's, that's, that's on everybody's mind. And then I I think the second one is, you know, if you look at the trends in our industry from, let's say, I'd say almost 2000 to about 2015, there was a real consolidation of applications. Everything almost started to feel like it's it's VMware, it's Oracle, it's, it's SQL Server. And in the last five years or so, the pendulum started to swing back where there's more and more different types of applications, partially because of things like microservices, partially because of SaaS applications. But the conversation isn't just Oracle SQL VMware anymore. There's all sorts, you know, there's the NoSQL databases, there's the SaaS applications, there's Kubernetes. There's so many different parts of the environment now. So I think that's the other big one is people figuring out how to handle that, that, that uh, dispersal of, of applications again. Yeah, that, that is a great point. And you, you, 
throughout several of the, I wouldn't call them buzzwords, but there's a lot that's changed and you, you have to really, really be on top of your game right now. Like a backup administrator can no longer just be a backup administrator, right? You have to know a little bit about cloud and AWS and, and Azure and GCP and, you know, how do, how does the, how does the cloud work? So they definitely have to be up for the challenge of learning new skills. Now, your platform is, is built on AWS and there's no need for hardware or software. So what makes Druva different and unique from some of the other players out there like Rubrik and Clumio? So, so I think compared to, uh, say, the Rubrics of the world, uh, which is a, a great, a, a, you know, sort of a great box that, that runs on-premises and then connects up to the cloud, uh, one of the big things is, you know, like you said, you've got a, there's a lot to learn when you go to cloud. Uh, and, and people, it's not just the new technology. In fact, for a lot of the people that we talk to, the new technology is actually less difficult than understanding the charging model. The fact that it's not just how much data you store, it's it's compute, it's gets, it's puts, it's it's all these smaller costs. Uh, and and they get the bill at the end of the month and they're stunned because yeah. they were just thinking in terms of the amount of data stored. Uh, and so mm-hmm. and, and so that's that's one thing that Druva really brings to the table for people is you know, we have built a platform that basically absorbs all those costs and just gives you a single fixed price for, you know, based on, for example, the amount that the amount you store, or uh, mm-hmm. if you're talking about SaaS applications, maybe the the number of seats or the number of users, that sort of thing. So, so I think that simplicity of pricing is is a really big deal because it, it gives people predictability. Uh, now, I, you know, and, and that's the virtue of being a SaaS platform. Now. Clumio is, is also a SaaS platform and, and kind of follows that model. Uh, I, I think that the difference between us and Clumio at this point is a lot to do with scale, uh, both in terms of just the number of customers we handle, you know, sort of we've we've been through some of the schools of hard knocks that I think they have coming just in terms of, of learning things as you run at scale. And then the other is just the breadth of, of what you support, which again, you know, we, we obviously support uh, on-premises workloads, endpoints, SaaS applications, cloud-native apps, and, and Clumio is a bit more focused right now in terms of the workloads it supports. Okay, yeah, I, I like that statement, simplicity of pricing. And definitely due to COVID-19, uh, as a part of the new normal, uh, cost efficiency, cost containment, that's definitely a theme that is running across the industry right now. So that's a smart thing to do. Um why is it important to customers using AWS as the primary cloud provider to use another data protection solution to back up their AWS workloads and protect their AWS infrastructure beyond just the cross-region protection that they already have? Right. That's that's actually one of the, the very first questions I get from, from, from a lot of customers. Um, yeah. Because especially you know, what we find, and and this this you know, one of the things I find fascinating in our industry is the evolution of roles. And with a lot of companies, even larger ones that we talk to that have huge AWS footprints, the people I'm talking to are not like you know, say you and me with 20 plus years of backup experience. They they actually tend to come from other parts of the organization, and you know. 
they they don't think in terms of of backup. And so this is this is a bit of an add-on. And so a lot of the conversation is almost reminding them or or teaching them about some of the bad things that can happen. Yes, yeah, so you're cross-region, that's good. That that insulates you from some sort of regional failure. But uh, for example, uh, you know, is your data managed by different accounts because you could have internal rogue administrators or again, you know, some sort of internal attack. And if it's all sort of equally accessible by the same uh, IAM role, the same type of people, that's a problem. Um, you know, we talk about, uh, frankly, longer term retention, uh, is storing snapshots, uh, going to be good enough for, you know, the three, five, seven year kind of retention that you're, you're going to have to manage. Um, you know, it, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pieces like that, that, that I think people don't necessarily keep in mind, or, or again, if you haven't lived in this industry, you don't think about all the bad things that can happen. Yeah, And so we just try to remind them having a backup in another account managed by another organization, potentially that can bring you better costs because it's optimizing for that, yeah, it can really be a win for, for your organization. And, and Stephen, I, I am okay with the conversation of talking about you know, snapshots versus backups, and then you have <laughs> block storage versus object storage, and then you start talking dedupe ratios, and my dedupe ratio is, is better than yours, and it's just a it's a crazy crazy world that we live in as as backup and recovery and storage administrators so you know those, those conversations become very exhausting so I'm, I'm glad glad you're not trying to do that right now so I appreciate that <laughs> but let me, let me tell you about my block size and how it's a rolling hash no anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right so let's let's say that there is a ransomware attack on someone's, let's say, uh, what endpoint or any other data center workload. How does how does Druva monitor and maybe alert on that attack and also provide the recovery functionality needed to return those machines back to a good state? Yeah, that's a that's that's again. This is one of the the, the biggest questions that we get from people, and and so we always basically say, look, it's you know. Break the problem into to kind of three steps. Uh, and the first step by far, uh, especially if you're on the backup side of the house, is mm-hmm. make sure your backups are safe. You know, ransomware years ago got smart enough to realize that one of the first things I have to target in an environment is the backups. Because if you don't have backups, then whatever I do to your production environment, you now are in that position of pay the ransom or, well, you lose that data. Uh, and so, so... You know, so that's the first one is get those backups off site, stored on different type of storage. Again, ideally, not just air gapped, but even sort of account gapped, managed by different people so that it can't be attacked. That's that's number one, right? And, and we always tell people, look, a SaaS application is great for that because those are just built in natively. You're not trying to add it on. Right. All right, good. So you've got your backup safe. Awesome. That's That's a really key step. Now, the second one, which you brought up is It'd be really nice if this backup, which happens to be one of the few things that's sort of looking at your data every day, would at least give you a hint that maybe something something amiss is is, is something's amiss in your environment. And so, you know, we we do things like uh, look at the data patterns. You know, are you getting different file types than you used to get? Uh, is your dedupe ratio changing dramatically? Uh, is your your change rate changing dramatically? These can all be signs of your data is being encrypted. Now, now, it's not a guarantee, right? It could be someone's actually just pruning or or doing something interesting. 
Uh, and so, so we'll flag that. Uh, and then we also work with companies like FireEye to, to sort of feed that into what would be a larger rule that they, that they manage so they can, they can flag you. And then that leads you to the third part, which is, okay, great. So you've helped me detect ransomware. I know my backups are safe, mm-hmm. but I need to recover. And, and there was a statistic I saw that, that said that, you know, so, somewhere on the order of 90% of, of mid-sized companies that get hit with ransomware if they're not you know, recovered within five days, they go out of business within a year uh, due to lost revenue, lost trust, all those sorts of wow. things. And so, so one of the things that we also emphasize is we want to help you recover quickly, but we also want to help you recover accurately. Because the last thing you want to do is recover a backup and then find it was still infected by the ransomware. And yeah. so we'll help people quarantine uh, you know, we'll, we'll, again, because we've we've noticed that backups look unusual, we'll actually quarantine those backups so that you know we point users at what looks like the last good uh, backup. And because you're running in the cloud, you could even do things like eh, test spin up that server that that workload, make sure it looks kosher before you you pull it back to to your users on, on premises. And so, you know, we want to make sure that you can recover quickly. But just as importantly, if not more importantly, we want to make sure you recover the right the right information, the right version of data. Right. Yeah. And definitely time to value is a big one that I'm seeing right now that, you know, if if you have ransomware and you are very quickly to determine, okay, this is ransomware, let's get on it, let's act quickly and let's do a recovery. That's one of the big things right now is being able to detect it early. First and foremost, do not pay the ransom, right? Yeah. And some cases I, I see customers, maybe not customers, but companies actually pay the ransom because they have no choice, right? Yeah. And I was going to say one, one of the one of the most frustrating things for me, and this is sort of a personal rant, and, and I, I get it, mm-hmm. you know, ransomware people are bad people, but uh, certainly in our experience, some of the organizations we talk to that are hit most frequently and most aggressively are places like hospitals, mm-hmm. because they tend not to have the maturity of IT staff to manage this, and the hospitals will have to pay. And and these are hospitals that are a you know we're in the middle of a pandemic and b a lot of them are are right on the you know they they manage their finances you know sort of to the to the penny and and having to pay that ransom really puts them in the position of having to to not be able to service sick people and and again you know ransomware people are bad people but that one just particularly just sets me on fire a little bit yeah it it's uh, particularly crazy, especially if you have a loved one that's in the hospital and it happens when your loved one is there and one of their systems go down, but maybe I'm being a little too dramatic here. Um, And you also have to think about it too, Stephen, is that these ransomware people, you know, as you call it, these hackers, right? It's a job for them. It's a full-time job. They actually make tons of money doing this. So that industry is also thriving. Um, So I did a, a, a talk a while ago about it, and I did a lot of research around the industry of ransomware and how simple and easy it is. I think they have ransomware as a service kits to help hackers actually deploy it, and it's it's kind of crazy, right? So, But you have to think that it is an industry for them, and they, they treat that as a full-time job as well. So moving on to, let's see, I have another question, and I think you tapped into this earlier, Stephen. What are some some of the things that Druva is working on, I guess, from an integrations perspective, like Slack and Microsoft Teams backup, ServiceNow, Splunk, and Okta? Are, are these gaining steam or there's not much growth that you're seeing around these or you're continuing to 
kind of pour into these? Oh my gosh, I, I tell you, it is uh, you know the, the the ecosystem is alive and well uh, in, in 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 different areas, right? So yeah, so things like Slack, Salesforce, you know, Teams. Uh, Again, the number of people that are looking to, in, in some cases, with 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 things like Teams, it's it's a it's about backup, it's about data protection. With Slack, it tends to be a bit more about, say, compliance, right? Because it's it's messaging, mm-hmm. um, right? But in both cases, a real explosion of interest. Because again, I think I think they're getting to a maturity now inside of organizations that. You know, either people with a backup background, or at least you know more senior people who who know the value of backup, are starting to ask those questions of, oh wow, we're we're actually really dependent on teams. Uh, it, it's it's really you know, sort of become a part of our organization. Or Slack, you know, we we transfer so much information around on Slack. How are we making sure this is protected, secured, uh, compliant? And so a lot of focus there these days because organizations have come to realize that this isn't just sort of a little side project or they're testing it out. This is this has become part of things. And and I'll tell you, things like Teams, backing up Teams, uh, the, the closest analogy I can make there, it's like backing up SAP used to be, right? There's not just a, a single API. There's interconnected pieces that you've got to be able to to know when to trigger what and how things relate and recoveries are very complicated. So it's it's a fascinating, fascinating world. Uh, so, so that's one area, right? The, the second is, you know, like you said, things like Okta. Um, you know, for security, uh, you know, the number of customers that now that are looking, uh, I mean, Okta has done a fabulous job, I think, in terms of uh, sort of managing single sign-on and, and, and sort of coordinating organizations. And we're seeing more and more, again, especially in that mid-market space, people looking to Okta as, as sort of that, 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 that single point of control. And so that's been really big. And then, yeah, on the, on the last part, Splunk, ServiceNow, um, you know, FireEye, all these integrations on, you know, I, I need my, and, and I think it's a good thing, right? No longer saying, I'm going to call my backup team and ask how backups are going or simply looking at some sort of backup uh, controllers enough. They really want to see that information flow into their, their broader management systems. And so we're seeing a lot of, a lot of companies, large and small, I think invest in now making backup part of their their overall picture, which, again, for me is is heartwarming because for years it felt like we were sort of backup was the team in the basement that you really hope to never talk to, and and it feels yeah. like we're 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 getting at least elevated to to maybe a seat at the table now, or at least we're part of the broader conversation. So it's been encouraging. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that response. And so speaking of the team in the basement, right, the backup guys and storage guys that are like, used to be tucked away, you know, and no one, you know, went down there to, you know, feed them or not. Um, <laughs> I, I, so I, I don't know if you know, but I have a, a backup and recovery professionals group on LinkedIn and it, there's about 21,000 people in the group. So I am privy to a lot of conversations that are happening, especially after COVID hit. Uh, I started receiving uh, DMs from backup administrators that are kind of in chaos, right? Um, so there's a lot of backup and storage admins at a crossroads in their careers right now. And that's due to some of the layoffs that happened as a result of the pandemic. Uh, what advice would you give them if they are unmotivated to carry on within the backup industry since the space has changed so much as we 
spoke of earlier. So some of the traditional backup softwares and recovery softwares out there, you know, a lot of these individuals are really deep in those technologies and may may not have gained some of the later skills, right, around cloud and hypervisors and virtualization, et cetera. What advice would you give them? Yeah, I, I uh, that one that one uh, definitely strikes. Uh, I, I I talked about this a while back. Um, so when I when I left Dell EMC, you know, I was I mentally you're kind of on top of the world, right? I was I was you know CTO of the data protection group, right, and, and of the biggest backup company in the world. And and as I went out to interview, the thing that struck me was the number of what I would consider sort of modern, more more forward looking, next generation technology companies weren't interested. Uh, I, I I would maybe get a courtesy interview and then, you know, sort of, yeah, we're not looking for box people. We're not looking for legacy people. And, and it, it really, it, it knocked me for a loop uh, mm-hmm. because here, here I had spent 20 years building up what I thought was this amazing expertise and I was being told no one cared. Uh, and so, so, so what do you do? Uh, and so, there's a couple things I think that I've learned. Uh, the first one is it's 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 not too late to learn some of the new technologies. So yeah. you you can go out and you can look at things like NoSQL databases and Kubernetes and cloud, and you can think, oh, it's it's overwhelming. And trust me, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but the good news is it's overwhelming for almost everybody right now. It is not too late to go dive in and learn those skills. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so that's the first. I think the second is if you're in a job, but you're worried about the future, um, you know, my old boss, uh, Guy Churchward, had a phrase that was, uh, if you're not making cloud happen, then cloud's going to happen to you. And so again, even though it's a little bit scary, you want to be the one leading the charge because then you one you you, you get perceived as being forward looking, but two you get to learn right and and now's the time to learn you know because again it seems like cloud is everywhere, but cloud is still somewhere in the order of only three to seven percent of IT spend, so it's still really new. So so that's 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 the big thing I'd tell tell everybody is all the things you know about what can go wrong and how to protect and how to deal with applications and and how to deal with long-term retention and regulations and all those skills you've picked up they will matter but you do need to at right. least be able to 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 sort of translate them into the newer environment and again it's not too late uh, I spent the last couple of years doing this and somehow now you know I'm I'm at a I'm at a SaaS company that builds cloud only uh, and I'm no longer you know, the box guy, uh, and it didn't happen without work. But it's possible to make it happen. Yeah, I remember when you when you were at uh, Dell EMC, and uh, I was kind of watching from afar, and like, man, you know, one one day I want to make it to chief technology officer or, or one of those CIO positions. But things kind of shifted and changed for me. What I I guess my takeaway from that is. There's so many things right now with the internet, like you can go on YouTube and watch YouTube videos until you're blue in the face, right? You can you can sign up for a SaaS-based like cloud training company like A Cloud Guru, right? And it's crazy. Everything is at your fingertips. So my advice is don't be lazy. Please have a self-education plan. So I mean every week. You are you dedicate some time and you go out and you said, say, I am going to you know learn AWS or I'm going to learn Kubernetes. I'm going to install it in my home lab or I'm going to 
use a free account in AWS. So that's one thing that I'm seeing. It's all about education and not sitting back and just kind of riding the wave. So let's roll into the closing gumbo question. This is this is a new one. So out with the old and in with the new. So what makes you frustrated or angry enough that you would consider standing in front of a data center and protesting about it until there's change? <laughs> that's, wow. You know, that's a, that, that's, that's a good one because I would say... Uh, probably 15 years ago, it was, why are you still using only tape? But I think we've yeah, gotten yeah. mostly past that. And I think it's too cliche and, and, and way too uh, on the nose to say, well, you should be using the cloud. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll go with a different one. Um, I, I, think, I think the one I would go with is, um, why are we still holding backups for seven years? Uh, it, it, it just, it still makes me crazy uh, that, especially things like database backups, uh, you know, a seven year retention on a database backup makes no sense to me. I don't know what you're planning on getting out of it. And I would much rather see that, hey, if there's a re- requirement to retain that data, just hold it in the original database. I'm not sure why we think seven years or 30 years backup retention makes any sense to anyone anywhere. All it does is it locks you into whoever your backup vendor is because they've got the data in that format for 30 years. And you know the odds of you having the right version of the application and being able to even find the data and getting anything useful out of it is so low. You know, if you really need long-term retention of data, let's talk about archive. Let's talk about a different way of doing things. But this, 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 this thirty-year retention of backup data, even seven years, is just. I just it makes me crazy. I just I think it makes people do unnatural things, and I wish we would stop. Yeah, back when I was in the financial services industry. Um, the reason that us TSM folks uh, had to protect data and store for seven years, uh, we had to have one one copy on tape, and we had to have another copy. So that first copy was on site, sitting in the tape library, consuming space and resources and network and power and all those things. And we had another copy that we ejected and took off site to Iron Mountain. And so that seven year seven year copy was for. Uh, regulations, so Sarbanes-Oxley. So that was probably the only reason that I saw that 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 was even a thing. So I'm not sure how that is now, but that was definitely one. Yeah, I, and again, I, I I get there. And and some of this is I wish you know maybe we could make the regulations better as well. Again, because mm-hmm. the number of times I, I remember there was a, a customer I met. Um, in, in the UK, uh, and I, I won't name them, but it was one of the grocery store chains. And mm-hmm. and the guy and the guy's sitting with his boss, and the boss said, "Well, you know, we we, we back up our servers, and it's it's on tape at that point in time. And if if I need that data back in seven years, we've got it." And and his backup administrator kind of chuckled and he said, "Oh, what's so funny?" And the guy said. Well, first, you're assuming we'll be able to read the tape back. Second, you're assuming we have the hardware to read the tape back. Third, you're assuming that we have a server that can run the version of the application that can interpret the data that we read back. But most importantly, fourth, you're assuming that I can even find those backups because over seven years we migrate things so much, I won't know what server this this application or this data was on seven years ago, so I couldn't even possibly find the tape that you're looking for. But other than that, yeah, we're fine. <laughs> that, that, those are the dreams that backup administrators have at night, right? The nightmares. <laughs> Trying to recover something from 
seven, ten, thirty years ago. So, so that that's my rant. That would be the one. Is I would get in front of data centers right. and I would say, let's think of a better way to do this because I feel like you're not. Re- I feel like you're just giving the backup team an unfair job, and we're all just hoping we never need to pull those data backups back. Yeah, I'm think I'm thinking that that's a fair enough ask. So, uh, it it's been a pleasure having you on on Data Protection Gumbo, Stephen, and uh, I've I've been trying to get in touch with you for quite some time. You are definitely a, a very busy man to get a hold of. Thank you so much for coming on The Gumbo, and we'll chat in the future. My pleasure, and everybody have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn, and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.